So uh, last week, Pastor Tim wrapped up an amazing series called Practicing the Presence. And uh, wow, that's a series. And uh, I hope you guys have really been taking that to heart and you've been actually taking time in these weeks to really, really, really jump into that and really rest in the presence of God. And he brought up something interesting last week as he wrapped up and he talked about this thing called the mission of God and being missional. And so missional, and actually I just copy and pasted from his notes because, you know, he already did it. So he said, practicing the presence requires a mindset that theologians call missional. A missional mindset says that God has a mission, God is always on mission, and God's people play an important role in fulfilling that mission. So that's y'all. As much as God is always present, he is always on mission. So to put that another way, while God is always present wherever you are, he is always on the move, extending his love to all people. So I started thinking to myself, okay, so God's mission is something that he put into motion. That was his thing. He he got the ball rolling. God's mission is his. But I started thinking about it, and I said, what would it look like for us to answer the call of that mission? What would it look for us, like us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to answer the call of the mission? So I went to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14, and this is going to be our text for this morning, and I'm going to read it to you now, and it should pop up for you guys on the screen. And I want to give mad props, too, this morning to Pastor Sharon, because I threw, like, two curveballs at her this morning, and she she took it like a champ, so she actually got some stuff in there that I thought of at about 11.30 last night and about 8.30 this morning. So thank you, Pastor Sharon, for, <laughs> for helping me out. I just like stressing people out. Hey, if I'm going to have a fat lip, I want somebody else to. No, I'm kidding. So this is what Philippians 3 says. It says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Did you get that? To which Jesus is calling us. Which means, as a corporate corporate body, the, the capital C Church, God is calling us to a mission. And within that, God is calling each individual to a mission. Because you all have a plan. God has a plan. And you, might, you may have heard that in church like forever, where maybe it's almost become cliche. Well, God has a plan for your life. Yeah, I know. I had a, a, young, a lady that told us she was, a, she was a very strong believer. She sat in the back of this church and told my wife that you're going to be a pastor's wife. And at the time, I was running from that. And so I thought it was weird that she would say that to my wife I thought we were going to work out. But God has a way of bringing things about, and I want to share that in just a minute. So the call of, what is this call of the mission that he gives? Do we believe that we have a calling on our life to be true? Do we believe it? And I could sit there, and I teach eighth graders and sixth graders, and I'm trying to have this conversation with them, and they're just, 
they're not there like in a spiritual maturity yet, but it's about planting seeds and injecting truth and giving them these things to think about and ponder of the things of God. But I've also talked to several adults that so I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my giftings are. I don't know any of this. And that's okay. The Bible says, says something that's actually quite, quite simple. It says if you want to know these things, guess what? Ask. Wait, that's it? Uh-huh. But be careful what you ask for, because God will think you're serious. So has knowing what God's mission for our lives come, come, become like a, a cliche for us? Or are we looking for kind of like that prophetic punch in our spirit to where we're like, I know I have a mission, I know I have a calling, and I want to grab what that is. So this morning I want to look at three ways that we need to heed the call of God's mission on our lives. Is everybody ready to roll? Here we go. So the first one, eliminate the fear. Uh-oh. We're going there already? This is only point one, Pastor Mark. Don't hit us hard now. So why do we run from the call of God on our lives? What, is, what are we scared of? What's our fear, right? And so I started looking at things, and I'm like, okay, is it my fear of my faults, my failure, and my future? Is that what I'm scared of? Maybe it's the uncertainty of things. Maybe it's my own pride. Maybe it's because I have to sacrifice my agenda for his. And I'm like, wait, I had a good plan. This was going to be awesome-ish. And God looks at your plan and says, okay, that's cute. But is that fulfilling? Is that what God, the creator of the universe, has called you to be? And so it was like... Okay, you kind of take from that. And I went through a period of time in my life when I ran from what God was calling me to do. Like almost a decade of running and being stubborn and thinking that all these things that were going to build up my identity and they actually had nothing to contribute to who God was created me to be at all. I found this acronym for fear. And it says, and Pastor Sharon loves acronyms, so I didn't make her type this one out. But fear is false evidence appearing real. I let things that were not true about who God had created me to be creep in, and I let that become who I was. And that's not a healthy place to be. Because all it leads is to compromise and a really, really unrewarding time. Because I played church really, really well. I played the game really, really well. And then finally God said, enough playing, playtime is over. It's time to put up or shh. And if you know me, I have a, have a hard time shing. <laughs> so I decided to put up. And it was in that moment that God's purpose and God's reality led me to Southern California and to a, the most beautiful woman in the world and have amazing two, two children. And I have a destiny in my life that I ran from for almost 10 years at doing the job that I vowed I never would. So God's got a plan and a purpose. So this morning, if you're scared of it, it's okay then, but after today, it's not. Right? 
It's time to embrace it. Here's what 2 Timothy 2.15 says. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. See, for me, I thought, man, I'm actually kind of afraid of the work involved in this. Like, I got to do what? I got to sacrifice what? I have to read the Bible every day? Side note, just because I'm a pastor, that doesn't mean I I have to read the Bible every day. I do it because I love Jesus. And I want to know more about him. And every relationship takes work. And if I want my relationship with God to grow, I got to know more about his character and his characteristics and his personalities. So I got to know more about him. And when a relationship becomes a stronger bond, then it's like just going to your BFF, which he already is. You just have to treat him as such. <laughs> See, if, we didn't do, if I didn't do my job anywhere else, I'd be fired. So if I am going to be a follower of Jesus, then I need to be all in. I can't just be, yeah, I'm a Christian, and then live like the devil from Monday to Saturday. And think, ah, I can reset button on Sunday. Now I've got the opportunity to reset the button every day because his mercies are new every morning. His grace never ends. So he doesn't bring condemnation to you, but he brings peace, love, joy, all these things. So we need to stop worrying about the things that beset us and look at the things that we can behold. I used to, I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant and then apparently somebody who's cooking has a follicle removing problem. And then you get your food and there, for some obscure reason in the midst of whatever you're eating, you can find that tiny little hair in your food. My wife asked me to go to the garage and get something. Where? But man, I can find that hair in my food. It's kind of frustrating. (laughs) But I found myself in those moments when I was running from God that I actually found myself getting more upset about the hair that was in my food than the compromising life I was living. That became more upsetting to me. I'm like, how could you do this? This is your job. How can you? Oh. Thanks, God. It was one of those things. And so I started to remember Philippians 1.6. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Newsflash, if you're alive, then he's not done with you. You still have purpose. You still have meaning. You still have a reason that why you are here. Anybody ever get tired? Nobody? Oh, six of you? Liars. <laughs> if you're breathing, you're tired. Come on. <laughs> Let's be real. But Isaiah 40, 31 gives us an amazing promise. Is that those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on the wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. There is a purpose for his restoration for our lives. We don't got to, my wings, so tired. No, have you ever seen an eagle fly? They never look tired. That's how they roll or fly. 
If they're rolling, there's something really wrong with them. But every time I see an eagle or I just, I just marvel at birds, that they are just like, you can't tell if they're pooped or not. They are just going. Especially the guys that are fighting the AV winds that just kind of hover. And you're like, that's got to be frustrating. Just, mm. ever felt like that? AV winds, you're just hovering and you're just not going anywhere? 1 Corinthians 9.26 says, so I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. So everything that we do in our life and in our purpose is not just for nothing. It's not just, ah, man, I hope this is being effective. Now you're just pulling a muscle. Run with purpose in every step. And then the last verse I want to share with this is Philippians chapter 2, 14 to 16. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Everybody get that? Okay, just checking. Thanks, 2022. So no, no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life, and then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. How would you like it if you worked so hard on a project and the end of the project, you turned it in and your boss said, that's useless. Thank you. Not the affirmation I was hoping for. That's powerful. So that everything that we do if, as we pursue God, we are doing it with a purpose. We are not useless. So don't get in the mindset that you are useless and that you're too far gone and that, well, God doesn't understand the things I've done. He created the universe and didn't bat an eye. I'm pretty sure he can handle whatever we're going through. So the first thing is you have to eliminate your fear. The second thing we have to do is erase your past. Now, it's not meaning like step you know, look into the men in black nebulizer thing and step and then they flash it and all your memory's gone. Everything that where we've gone is a stepping stone to where we are now. We've made mistakes in the past. We've done made bad choices. We've done things we're not proud of. It's okay to learn from those things, but God does not us, want us to wallow in those things. He doesn't want us to stay there. And there's a reason why he wants us to move forward. Here's the thing about the devil, is that he really, 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 really likes to make you remember the things that you did. The next time he tries to play that game with you, just remind him of the end of the book. He says, oh, you're, well, I mean, I'm not going to say you're cute because he's fierce and he's disgusting and he's gross. But next time he tries to play, play a game, play, play games with your past, just remind him of his future. You've already lost, dude. That's why, I believe that's why we see the way things are in the world today. Last ditch attempt, man. He is desperate. But greater is he who is in us than he was in the world. So we've already won. We just need to act like it. 
I remember the time I was up in Canada, and I was in um, a relationship, and uh, I'm going to put a picture up that you're going to say, what in the world is that? That's, that's actually my leg. It's not a leg from a chicken. That's mine. And um, on the left, you see a tattoo that I did have on my leg. And it was something that I kind of did as a dare. You're like, what's a white Canadian doing with a Jordan logo on his leg? What can I say? I like Jordans. It's a thing. I have a problem. And now my son does too. My bad. So I had that on my, on my leg, and I thought, okay, this is cool. That's all right. And then I was talking to my tattoo artist, and I said, you know, I thought about covering this up. And he said, well, tell me the story about this one. And so I gave him the story about how it was from a, a previous life and a previous thing that I had up in Canada, and it was just something that I did. And I said, so how did that end? I said, well, it was painful, and it was ugly, and it was not, it kind of jacked me up for quite a while. And he said, oh, well, my tattoo artist starts speaking prophetically to me now. And he says, well, we need to get rid of that. And I said, well, why? And he says, well, because that's linked to who you used to be, not to who you are now. So we need to get that covered up, and we need to get that blemish taken off your record so we can cover that up, and we can bring Jordan to the foot of the cross. I mean, Michael Jordan needs it too. But we're talking about my tattoo, and so that's the before, and that's the after. And what was significant about that for me is that once what I once was does not have to dictate where I'm heading. That doesn't dictate that. The blemish that maybe you feel like you have on your life can actually be erased and be covered up and be turned into something beautiful with a testimony and a story. So please, please never, never, never negate the scars and the things that you have in your life and on your heart. Because those things are actually going to be stories that lead to bringing somebody else freedom. So never, never downplay your story. Because your story will set somebody free. Never downplay it. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a hope and a future. And I've just noticed the more I've been preaching, the swelling's been going down. So, praise God. Because <laughs> I'm feeling it the whole time, like, it's so annoying. But, but it's, his plans for us are not for disaster. So the next time you think, oh, my life is just one thing after another, after another. Possibly. But guess what? Joy comes in the morning. It only happens for a night. Something else is coming. Romans 8, 28 to 31 says this, For we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having, having given them the right standing... He gave them his glory. So everything that we go through, I know we hear that a lot. Oh, God, there works all things together for good. We like to start at part A. We stop there. 
But part B is for those who are loved, who love God and who are called according to his purpose. We got to go with part B too, because it's very important. So I'm going to do something that I actually literally have never done before as I preached. And this is a big part of who I am and what I do. I'm going to show you a music video. In church. It's okay. It's, it's mercy me. They can only imagine. That was dumb. So the reason I wanted to show you this is because, well, you know what? I'm not going to say nothing. I just want you to watch. Listen to the lyrics, listen to the words, but also notice what's going on on the screen. My name is Gary Miracle, and on New Year's Eve 2019, I was airlifted to a hospital in Orlando, Florida. And I fell into septic shock, and 107 days later, I came out of the hospital, and I had lost all four of my limbs. Today, it all begins I'm seeing my life for the very first time Through a different lens Yesterday I didn't understand Driving 35 with a rocket inside Didn't know what I had while I've been waiting to live, my life's been waiting on me. I'm gonna run. No, I'm gonna fly. I'm gonna know what it means to live and not just be alive. The world's gonna hear. Cause I'm gonna shine.
I can now watch that video without being moved. Joseph Campbell said this. He said, we must be willing to let go of the life we have planned so as to accept the life that is waiting for us. Don't dwell on where you've been because there's so much more ahead. Amen. Amen? So much more. Ask Gary Miracle. At the end of the video, they, it's like a few seconds, so it's later on, but he says he's actually being sized for legs. And by the end of the year, he's planning on walking. Don't stay where you're at. The reason, there's a reason why when we drive our cars, why the windshield is 30 times bigger than our rearview mirror. Because where we're going is so much bigger and brighter than where we've been. And it's okay to use that as a point of reference, but don't focus on Because you cannot drive your car looking in the rearview mirror. It probably looks like that's how some people drive around. But we can't move forward in that. We have to look at the big windshield that God has in front of us, and it's good. It's good. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, the only things that we can keep are the things we freely give to God. What we try to keep for ourselves is just what we are sure to lose. So what we have is cute, and it's good, and it's what makes us who we are. But to stay there, man, there's so much more. So much more. So the last thing, the third thing we have to do when we're talking about God's mission is to embrace the mission. In verse 12 to 14 that we opened up with, Paul's goal is to know Christ, to be like Christ, and to be all that Christ had in mind for him. What a great example to never take our eyes off the goal that God has for us. It's like when you see an athlete training. Professional athletes don't just sit there and be like, I could probably do one more buffet before the game. And they don't eat a little. They, you know, they have something called metabolism. Apparently that's a thing. But I've heard about it, but we need to put value on the call that we have on our life. We have to make that the focus. I used to always think, okay, well, if I don't put value, if I don't put value on the call on my life, then how can I expect somebody else to do it? If I don't place value on that, then how can I encourage somebody else to be excited what God is doing in their life when I'm not thrilled about what's going on in mine? It's okay to be disappointed. It's, it's okay to go through seasons, but as Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. Don't stop to look around. There's nothing to see there. There's nothing there for you. Keep pressing on. Have you ever been upset that you see God moving in somebody else's life but not yours? You ever been frustrated by that? I have. And what do I do? I can't look at them. As a believer, I need to celebrate what God is doing in their lives. 
And you know what? That builds what God wants to do in mine. So if that kick starts my faith, then bring it on. But we can't, we can't be upset. We can't be like, Could you, did you see them today? They were like worshiping. They had their hands up. And I think they started to like move a little bit. Try it. You might find it liberating. It might bring the swelling down on your lip. I don't know. It's a thing. Sometimes I felt like I've been stuck in that valley of dry bones. And I'm standing there. And have I ever spoken to my dry bones or have I just accepted that they're dry bones? I'm like, oh, these are dead and dry. Ugh. Oh, well. Now, if you go to Ezekiel, when he spoke to the bones, it got noisy. Everything started to rattle and shake. And all of a sudden, there was, stood before him a great exceedingly army because it started forming skin and tissues and muscles and all this stuff. Kind of resembling of what God wants to do in each one of our lives. Where we feel we're in that dry, we're, we live in a desert. We're in a dry place. Let's be real. But we don't have to let ourselves be where we are. So how do we nurture and embrace and take ownership of this mission? Quick little things that are probably review or probably things that we already always do. But if not, here we go. Word of God. Stay here. I mean, if you want to read a good book, okay, go ahead. But foundations here. There's our foundation. James 1, to 25 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. <gasps> I love it. In Scripture, when God says, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. But on the flip side, he says, if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. It's not as if you're like, oh, you can guess. Hope you figure it out. It's not like an escape room. It's very obvious, the things that he sets before us. So we have to, we have to like, take hold of them. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So we have the power. We have the ability to wield this. And the words on these pages has the ability to slice out and surgically remove the things that do not need to be in our lives. When I see that, I just think of like, you ever watch the old cheesy ninja movies where these guys with their swords and they're training and it's like, pa, 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 and they slice something really, really, like a fly. I'm like, I can't hit one with this water. He's slicing one with a sword. But it's with this precision that he makes it that this is happening. So he can cut out the things out of our lives that don't need to be there, but you're still you. You're still who he created you to be. He's just going to remove the things that just aren't you. And that's okay. We just no, no longer need to partner with those things. 
The second thing we need to do is pray. And this is what we have to remember when we pray when we're talking to God. Luke 12 to 32, it says, So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness. Some translation says good pleasure to give you the kingdom. There's an inheritance for you. There is an inheritance for you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Always be joyful. <laughs> okay. Never stop praying. Okay. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So just in that verse, we're getting direction, wisdom, clarity, and passion. We're getting those things just in that verse. We need to take authority over an enemy that wants to see us fail. Not today, Satan. Not today. Today we take back what's ours, and we don't succumb to the fear and the past, but we embrace what God has for us this morning. The last thing that I feel is something we need to do is surround yourself with like-minded people. Surround yourself with champions, not chumps. If we spend our time surrounding ourselves with people that drag us down and kind of like, uh, I don't know. Because uh, I've gone to places and I've hung out with people, and then at the end I was like, I don't even think I had fun. You ever had those moments? Nobody here, don't worry. It's, uh, you just have those moments where you're like, ah, that was exhausting. Like, you come out drained, not because you're tired because it's late. You're just like, oh, Lord, I had to put so much into that. In those moments, we still need to be Jesus. We still need to be Jesus. Even though you want to lay hands on somebody, and not in the biblical sense. Don't do it. Hang out with those who are speaking life into your process. Because it's hard to soar like an eagle when you're surrounded by turkeys. I got turkeys across my street. They're crazy. They're nuts. I mean, okay, Thanksgiving, come on over. But they are nuts. And so if you want to fly, don't surround, with, don't surround yourself with people that want to pluck your feathers. Surround yourself with people that want to see you fly and want to help you fly. Amen. First Corinthians chapter two, verses 14 to 16 says this, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all these things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others for who can know the Lord's thoughts, who knows enough to teach them. But we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. We have an understanding for what God is doing because we, he's, ch he's challenging us and he's stretching us to think the way that he thinks. 
The New Living Translation says about Romans 12 too, don't be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the way that you think. Amen. Be transformed by the way that you think. So I can no longer look. I used to look when I walked out and I was driving around and I would see homeless people. And I had to check myself because I became very, very judgmental. And I'm like, I'm going to go broke. And then there's this little voice that comes inside your head and goes, it's okay. I got you. Have you ever gone without? Never. So in those moments, I had to stop looking at every situation through my flawed, my flawed lenses and try to start looking at the things through the eyes of Jesus. Because you have a whole new different perspective when you actually embrace God's mission for this world. And in the midst of embracing that, it's okay that you need help sometimes or need someone to stand with you. That's what, that's, that's what this is. This is not just a checklist on a Sunday. This is community. This is how we build one another up. How we stir one another up to love and good works. This is how we champion one another. So you don't want to miss out. Because God's doing, always has been, always will be, and will be doing amazing things. So if we become focused on God's mission, then the past kind of becomes the past. And the running away stops. And the pursuit of the heart of Father God becomes utmost importance. That becomes our important thing. So as we let God have control of our lives, then those things that held us back for so long become non-existent. I think about the, th the tattoo on my leg, and now that I've had it on my leg for quite some time now, I go back and I'm like, oh yeah, that was there. I don't dwell on what was there because I've been set free from that. So we can't dwell on what was. We can dwell on what's coming and what God wants to do in your heart today. That's exciting. Right? Anybody else excited? Okay, just checking. So we must increase. No, he, no it's wrong. We live in a world where we think that we need to increase. We must decrease so Jesus can increase in our lives. So as we wrap up today, I'm going to leave you with some few little action steps, if that's okay. Because this is what God was saying to me when I was doing this, so you're just, you get to look in, and maybe they'll speak to you, but this is what I'm doing. So the first point, eliminate the fear. What do we do? We have to renounce the partnership with fear and whatever other tactic is distracting you from the mission. Stop agreeing with it. And sometimes that's just a verbal declaration saying, I no longer partner with fear in my life. I renounce the fear. Devil, take a hike. I'm a child of the Most High God. Take the fear in Jesus' name. You know what's crazy? He'll do it. But speak it. Use your mouth. Use your voice. 
Proverbs 18.21, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Speak life over your life. This week, erase the past. Remember, you are not your mistakes. So challenge yourself this week, especially when you're driving. Remember to look through your windshield this week and don't dwell on the rearview mirror. And that's in the spiritual sense as well. See everything that God is doing ahead of you. Sure, learn from our past, but don't stay there. And the last thing, to embrace the mission, spend more time or spend some time in the Word this week. And I know we get busy, but a relationship, any relationship takes intentionality. So our relationship with Jesus needs to be intentional. He's always there. And he's so excited when we say, hey, God, they're here. They called. And he's so excited to partner with you. So spend time in the Word this week. Pray. And get together with someone this week and talk about God's mission in your life. Maybe you don't know what it is. Have a conversation. You might find that other people are in the same place. Champion one another. Stir one another up. Build community. Build relationships. It's so important because life is so much better when we do it together. Amen? Amen. Is it okay if I pray a blessing over you? And this morning, I, this is just an impromptu thing. If, if you need prayer or to chat with anybody or anything about God's mission in your life, like what does it look like? I'm just going to audibly call Marcus and Liz. <laughs> Maybe Miss Elizabeth and Latanya. They'll make themselves available even at the prayer walls, so it's more convenient. If you want, guys want to come up, it's totally fine as well. I'll make myself available. Espy. If you want to come, Mary Lou. So, if you need somebody, if you'd be encouraged today or just prayed for or about anything, please don't leave without doing that today, okay? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the mission that you've given. I thank you for the initial mission where you sent your son to die to set us free from sin and death. And God, I pray your blessing would be on your people today. I pray that your blessing would would give them hope and peace and comfort and that your Holy Spirit would bring restoration power in their hearts this week. That God, that even though they're reminded of their past, God, we just pray that you would just remind them that the plans that you have for them, God, are not for, they're not for bad. That they are for good. Help us, Jesus, to look through our windshield this week. And not focus on the things around. And not focus on the storms. But we would keep, your, keep our eyes on you as we walk towards you. Jesus, we love you so much. And we thank you. In Jesus' name.
Amen.